Hey, um, as E said, we are right in the middle of a series on the book of Philippians. This is week two, and I am so excited uh, about this sermon. I've been thinking about it for a long time because we are moving into chapter two of Philippians. And Philippians 2, if you know, your, your Bible is a heavy but amazing chapter. And um, to, to catch you up real quick, if you missed last week, we're calling this series Citizens because Paul is writing to a group of people, a, a church that he planted about 10 years earlier in a town called Philippi. And Philippi is a Roman colony. So Rome rules the known world at this time, some 2.2 million square miles, which is a lot of space. And so the question is, how do you rule that much territory? Well, easy. One of the ways you do it is you create colonies all around the territory, which is essentially just creating Rome away from Rome. Well, Philippi was one of these colonies. So if you walked into Philippi, you would go, man, it sounds, it feels like a lot like Rome around here. And if you were growing up in Philippi, you would, you would be growing up with this mentality that, that, hey, I need to bring Rome to my city. Well, this is important because Paul writes to this church, and in Philippians 3.20, he, he says, but our citizenship is in heaven. So think about that for a second. Paul was smart. He knew the people he was talking to. He knew what, what was going through their minds. If you grew up in, Philipp- in Philippi, you're thinking, I need to bring Rome to Philippi. And Paul just flips the script and he goes, no, no, no. Citizens of heaven first and foremost, which means as a follower of Jesus, our job is to bring heaven to Philippi. Our job is to make Philippi more like Heaven. Well, 2,000 years later, we find ourselves living in a city that is very similar to, to Philippi of the day with the same call to, to not just get to heaven one day, although that will be amazing, but here now bring heaven to Austin, Texas, right? So our call as a church is to make Austin feel more like heaven. So we thought it would be good to take four weeks and and. and like really just unpack this letter and talk about, well, okay, that's great, but, but how do we do that? Well, Philippians 2, um, like we're going to read in, in one second, Paul kind of really gets to the good stuff and he goes, all right, if you want to make um, your hometown more like heaven, here is the way forward. If you know your Bible, you know where I'm going. He jumps straight into humility. Humility is a tough word. It's a hard word to, to preach on. It's a don't, don't ever prepare a sermon on humility if you can help it, if you're ever preparing a, a sermon, um, because God gives you lots of opportunities throughout the week to practice, and I batted like 600. I didn't do so great, but it's another week, and it's all good. But Paul, Paul goes in, in Philippians 2, he, he says, hey guys, we want to make our city more like heaven. Here's what we got to do. And so I'm well aware Man, that, that um, me just coming up here and stringing the right combination of words together isn't going to do much. But if we come together and open up this book and then stop and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to do something in our, in our souls, that something is going to happen. So I'm believing that today, right now, in this moment, as we read this passage and, and pray, the Holy Spirit is going to start to encourage us. He's going to start to challenge us, and he's going to start to call us forward into a, into a greater call. And so if you have your Bibles, let's go Philippians 2, 
By the way, some of you are looking at me like, bro, I just finished school like two days ago, and you're already like teaching up there. I know. That was the teachy part. We just had to get through. We had to get through that. It's summer vacation now. We'll just hang out and tell funny stories the, the rest of the time. But, but Paul writes this. He goes, um, this is uh, Philippians 2, verse 3, do nothing, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in, here's our word, humility. Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, and then he goes into this beautiful poem that is really the cornerstone of, of this entire letter, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Verse 9 says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. It's quite a passage. There's a lot there, but I simply titled this message, Me to We. Me to We. Let's pray. We'll unpack it for a few minutes. God, we love you so much. Lord, I love you so much. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for um, a, a holiday weekend. And I pray that you would be with us here in these next few moments as we talk about humility. Um, where would you help us? Help us, help me, and would you encourage us, guide us, challenge us, and call us forward. We love you so much. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Okay, any, any um, terrible travel days? Has anybody had like a really long, terrible travel day that they want to share with the class? Jaden, no, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. Can you, can you imagine? I, okay. No, um, on, on Friday, I, uh, I had one of those, and I was, I was flying um, back to Austin. I usually don't mind flying. Um, mostly because I'm just a huge introvert, so putting my headphones in and sitting and talking to no one for three hours is like, okay, that sounds great to me. Um, but Friday was a difficult day. Um, I, I got to the airport and security, like they were just going super slow, the, the TSA agents, um, and like checking everything, and so I'm getting impatient there because for some reason you think that waiting in like the security line is not as fun as waiting at the gate, so you're like, okay, let's hurry this process up, and then I get to the gate and the flight gets delayed because there's mechanical issues, whatever that means, right, and so I'm like, great, now my schedule's been pushed back, and then um, we're on the plane, and I'm trying to write this talk because, like, I, I got to get it done for today. But everybody's, like, in a really bad mood. Um, and and the, the people next to me are, are in a bad mood. The, the uh, flight, what do what we call them? Flight attendants? There we go. Flight attendants are, are in a bad mood. And then I finally get on a roll trying to write my talk. And uh, there's a windstorm in Austin. So they come over the intercom and they make you turn your electronics off super early with like 40 minutes left to go on the flight. So they walk by and they're like, uh, sorry, sir, your laptop has to go away. And I'm, I'm sitting there at this window seat just having like a, a, a pity party for myself. 
You know, I've got like my arms crossed and I'm, I'm just in a bad mood and I like don't want to talk to anybody. I'm just sipping my like melted ice that I, that I have and I'm just in a bad mood and a thought crossed my mind. A thought crossed my mind that since the moment I woke up that morning, I have had one thought, one thought and one thought only. And that thought has been about Ryan, right? Everything that's happened to me this day so far, I have just looked through the Ryan lens and I have gone, okay, how does this thing affect me? You guys ever been there? Right? Like, this is what we do. It's, it's kind of this natural thing that we do. And it usually just leads us to, to being, like, really frustrated. And it leads us to sitting in, like, this, this window seat on a plane just having a pity party. Let's, let's think about this for a second. Okay? I was frustrated with security because security was doing their job. And by the way, security's job was to keep me safe. And I'm sitting there going, Really love to get to my gate so I can sit there for a few extra minutes, right? And then my plane gets delayed because of mechanical issues. And I'm only thinking, man, this is going to cost me like 20 minutes out of, out of my day. But what I'm not thinking is there are a lot of really smart mechanics who uh, see a problem in the plane and are interested in my safety because I'm about to get in this plane and go up about 30,000 feet in the air. So I should probably let them take like 20 minutes and take a look at, at the plane, right? I'm just sitting there thinking about myself. I'm looking at it through the Ryan lenses. And then um, they, they come through and they make me shut off my computer and I'm sitting there having this pity party. And what I'm not realizing is, hey, I am... 30,000 feet in the air, flying into a city that I love with a window seat and a beautiful opportunity to just pray for a city and pray for the churches in the city, pray for my family, pray for my friends, pray for Red Rocks, pray for everything that is going on. I've got, I can't open my computer. I can't work on the talk. I have this like time. It's like God carved this time into my day where I can just pray, but I can't see it. Because I can only see Ryan, right? I'm looking through a lens and I'm only seeing Ryan. Well, I think Paul gave us Philippians 2, 3, 3 through 4 to, to give us a wonderful, beautiful invitation to take the glasses off. Right? It's like Paul is saying, hey, um, I get the glasses. I get why we do it. It's natural. But what if? What if we made a shift as a church and took the glasses off and stopped thinking so much about me made the shift to we, right? You go back to the text, Philippians 2, verse 3. It says, do nothing, I love it, nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. By the way, Paul is not saying um, don't value yourself, right? Paul's well aware, and I'll, I'll remind you as often as I can, you are created in the image of God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God knit you together in your mother's womb, and he has a calling on your life, and he has placed you where he placed you for a reason. And so don't talk bad about God's handiwork, right? So what we're not saying here is just, oh, humility looks like just walking around like this, going like Eeyore stuff, right? Like, oh, nothing's good. For, I'm just trying to be humble. 
All right, I'm trying to be humble. No, step into the calling that God has for you. Paul's just saying, but as you do that, look at other people and think of them even higher than you think about yourself. So our working definition for today for humility is simply this. It's valuing others above yourself. Paul's definition of humility is not thinking lowly of yourself. It's valuing others above yourself. So Paul gives this great opportunity, this great invitation to take off the glasses and make the shift from me to we. By the way, um, if you're interested, C.S. Lewis has this like amazing chapter about this in his book, Mere Christianity. And uh, Rick Warren came on the, on the scene a while later and took the whole chapter and summed it up in one line so beautifully because that's what Rick does. He says this, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. You still walk around going, no, I'm God's handiwork and I have a calling on my life. It's just that you don't think about yourself as much because you've got your eyes off of me and you've got your eyes on to we. So let's talk about this practically because if we, like the church in Philippi, are called to, to bring heaven to this city, then that means that, that we do that. One of the main ways we do that is by learning how to walk in humility. All right, and it's easier said than done, but let's, let's go through a few of these because when it's about me, an inconvenience, like flight being delayed, Security line being long, traffic, you call it whatever inconvenience you're thinking of. When it's all about me, an inconvenience is an obstacle. But when we make the shift, when we take the glasses off and we shift to we, when it's all about we, an inconvenience is an opportunity. Inconvenience is an opportunity to inspire someone. uh, uh, Inconvenience is just an opportunity to pray for someone. Maybe that inconvenience is God. Maybe maybe traffic this week. How about this? Traffic this week. What if we said when we get caught in it, because you will, welcome to Austin. uh, What if traffic this week was God going, hey, um, your schedule is so crazy all the time. Let's slow down for a few minutes and let's turn on a good worship song and let's just pray. How about that? Like, there's nothing else you have to do in traffic. There's, you can't do anything else, right? And then you look, and there's, like, a guy that got pulled over, and you're like, how did you manage to get pulled over? And, and tra- like, what did you do? Uh, this is a random side note. Okay, let's keep going. Um, when it's all about me, interact- social interactions are opportunities to get something. Right? When, it, when it's all uh, about me, anytime I, I have a conversation with someone, I'm going, man, I hope that they compliment me. Because I need that right now. Hey, I, I hope that they liked my sermon. Really could use that right now. Right? Man, I really hope they, they, they come back to church. Man, I really hope they liked that, that um, meal that I made them. I really hope you fill in your own blank for whatever it is for you. When it's all about me, social interactions are a chance to get something. But when we make the shift to we, all of a sudden social interactions become an opportunity to give something. You're not trying to get something from everybody. You're not trying to, to, to pull from everybody. You're trying to, to push out and you're trying to go, hey, um, um, I want to encourage you in this. I want to inspire you in this. I want to speak life into you in, in this way. When we make that shift from me to we, all of a sudden social inter- interactions get really fun because you go into each one, not that I um, got this, but I'm, I'm trying to get better at it. You go into each one going, hey, how can I inspire and build up somebody today? All right? 
By the way, uh, Doug said this years ago. He said, if you have, if you have social anxiety, which is a thing for, for all of us to, to some degree, just go into any social situation with three good questions that you can ask somebody and then just encourage them, right? It's not like, like you'll walk away, they'll walk away going like, man, that person is awesome. I want to hang out with, with that person more. It's just making the shift from me to we. Let's keep going. When it comes to learning, and man, I'm speaking to myself right now. When it's about me, as you can see. Thanks, Sam. Spill Sam's. When it's about me, I learn facts so I can wield them as a weapon. Right? Well, when it's about me learning things, like about God or about whatever your career is, is like you want to have something so you can keep it in your back pocket so that you can like walk into the conversation and like lay down the card and be like, mic drop. I told you guys what's up. This is all about me, right? But when you make the shift to we, all of a sudden you don't need knowledge to wield as weapons. You want wisdom so that you can uh, pass it on freely, right? Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 8.1. He goes, hey, knowledge, knowledge puffs up. It's fine, but it puffs up. Wisdom builds up. All right? What we're looking for here, even as we dive into Philippians, we're not looking for a bunch of facts. Facts are important. Facts are, facts are fine. What we're looking for is life transformation that we can pass on, and that starts to happen when we make the shift, when we take the glasses off and make the shift from me to we. A couple more. When it's about me. I want to be right. We all know this one all too well, right? All too well. I remember when I was, I was 18 years old, it was the first um, ministry uh, experience that I had. I was in Costa Rica, and I got into this, this argument with a youth pastor, and, and he brought my boss into the whole thing. And I was so certain, as every 18-year-old guy is, that I was correct and that I just needed to like, like, like explain my own correctness and be right. Because when it's all about Ryan, I just want to be right. I remember getting called into to his office. He goes, hey, let's, let's go hang. And I'm like, yeah, 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 this is good because I'm going to go see my boss and, and we're going to spend the entire time bashing that, that other guy because I'm right and he's got my back in that, so let's, let's go. And I walk into his office. I'll never forget this. He's got his coffee. He's got some, some music going. And, and I sit down ready, ready, to, ready to go, ready to fight. And he goes, hey, Ryan, um, I just need to apologize. And I, like, I literally like, start backing up. Like, wait, you're, apolog- you're not even a part of this. Like, why are you apologizing to, to me? And he goes, yeah, I just need to say sorry, man. I, I, I put you in a situation I shouldn't have put you in, and, and I didn't equip you right in this way. So you know what? This one's on me. And it's like he pulled the, the rug out completely from me because I just wanted to be right. He didn't care about being right or wrong because when it's about me, I want to be right. But when it's about we, I want to make it. Right. When we can learn to make that shift and take the glasses off, all of a sudden we don't care so much about being right or wrong. We just want everything to, to we just want to encourage everybody that's a part of it. And if you're going, well, are you tell me like I need to, I need to forgive somebody. What if, what if I'm right? I would say, yeah, you, you probably are. That's probably true. 
But it's possible to, to be right and go about it completely wrong. And I'm just saying there's a whole lot of freedom on the other side of that when we go, maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. I don't care. I just love you. And I want to I wanna make this right. And I want to speak life into you. I want to encourage you. And just watch. what Man, it's like walls come down. And if you've been in that situation, you know, it's a beautiful thing that Paul is calling us into when we make the shift from me to we, and then let's do this. You're like, how many times are you going to put those glasses on? Once more. <laughs> when it's about me, actually twice, why not? When it's about me, I have a vested interest in holding on to a grudge. But when it's about me, I have a vested interest in setting others free. Right? Because when, when it's about me and I get to hold on to a grudge, it's like currency that I can hold in my back pocket. Right? Because I know that I got something on you. Right? We all do this. Let's be real. It's, it's, it's church. I'm so guilty of this. It's like I, I want to hold that in my back pocket so I can use that later in case I get in, into a, a bind. And Paul's going, hey, we're not going to think that way anymore because my vested interest now is in setting others free. So I'll, I'll just throw it. I've got nothing, nothing to hold against you. Everything's forgiven. Let's just forgive everything. Let's just call it good all the time. Like if we could be a church that just does that. Remember jailbreak in, in uh, dodgeball growing up where like, like you're the last person left on your team and you're like, oh no, and then the teacher yells out jailbreak. Like, hey, everybody's free. Let's go back to the beginning. And you're like, yeah, okay, I feel like maybe we just need to jailbreak right now. Like, maybe we just need a jailbreak in our church where we go, you know what, everything's forgiven. Everything's forgiven. We're just like, like back to it. Nobody's trying to be right. Nobody's trying to be wrong. Whatever. Let's just forgive everything. Can we just start back from scratch? I feel like that's a very gospel thing to do. The last one, when it's about me, I want to win. We know this. It's about me. I want to win. But when it's about we, I win when you win. Listen, there's a reason why the Warriors are about to win their fourth title in five years for you NBA fans. All right? It's, gonna, it's inevitable. The Raptors are fine. But sorry, Drake. The Warriors are going to win. It's just going to, to happen. But it's because a couple of years back, a few of them came together and they decided, hey, we might all take less money. Uh, we certainly won't get as many MVPs. We won't get talked about as much uh, on first take or whatever. But you know what? When you win, I win, and we're in this together. We're going to do this as a team. And so they've put together this amazing franchise that just can't stop winning. And some people call the NBA boring. Now I call it brilliant. They just cracked the code. They moved past me, and they moved into we. And all of a sudden, like, the floodgates open, and I just feel like the same thing will happen in Red Rocks Austin if we I'll decide the same thing. Hey, I don't need credit. I don't need glory. I don't care what my role is. I just want to bring my giftings and, and put them on the table and be a part of a movement. Like, can you imagine, like, a whole church that goes, no, it's not about me. It's about we. Can you imagine what, we would, what this place would look like? Can you imagine what the city would start to look like if we start to go, hey, hey, not just Red Rocks, Austin, but every church in Austin, every church in Texas, whatever you need, let's go plant more. Let's go do some more. Let's go help some more people that need help. Let's go fill up whatever, what you like, like resources, whatever you need. Let's just go move forward because it's not about this place at 6 o'clock on a Sunday. It's about what God is doing in this world. All right? The shift from me to we is everything. Paul's going, hey, this is, this is a lot, but, but you can do it. You can do it. Like, the, remember, the church in Philippi, they were mature Christians. 
And so Paul's going, all right, I, I, got, I got a next step for you. I got a next step for you if you are ready, making this shift from me to we, walking forward in humility, valuing other people, seeing other people as more important than yourself. But at this point, you might be thinking, that's cute. It's cool. Sounds great. That's incredibly difficult to do, right? I mean, this is a lifelong journey that we will be on. So to, to bring this thing to, to a close, let, let's talk about how we move forward. Let's talk about how we do this. Because I could give you um, uh, like a, a pump-up talk and go, hey, make the shift from me to we. And it would work for like 15 minutes. Well, then life's going to happen. You know how it goes. But Paul does something really interesting in this passage. If you remember from, from when we read it, um, uh, he's, he's talking about like doing nothing from your own uh, interest, but the interests of others. And the very next verse, verse 5, says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And he goes into this beautiful poem uh, about Jesus. And I was thinking about this this morning because I was, I, was, I was working out. And I, I built this little gym uh, in my garage. I don't use it very often, as you can tell. Um, but I was there this morning, and I was just trying to do a little cardio. I've got this little cardio deal that I do. The cardio is really hard for me. Some of you would see it and be like, oh, that's a, that's a warm-up, bro. What are you talking about? But for me... I'm just showing up. I'm just, I'm just trying. But I did it this morning, and, and I realized that when I go into the cardio, what I do every time is I, I get a big glass of water, and I put it right next to my, like, workout mat. And I put the water right there because I know that this is going to be a hard thing to do. I know it's going to be difficult, but as soon as I am done, I can go right to the water. And I feel like that's what Paul just did here in Philippians 2. He goes, hey, Walk in humility. And I know that, that that's hard and that's a big ask, which is why I'm going to put a glass of water right next to you. And I'm going to go, hey, if you want to know how to move from me to we, you know what you do? You put your eyes on Jesus. Right? It's like Paul's going, this is difficult. But remember, Jesus went first. There are so many layers and beauty to what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. But, but one that I've been thinking about is what the writer of Hebrews wrote, Hebrews 4. 15, it says this, talking about Jesus, he says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but, one, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Think about what the writer's saying right now. He's going, remember how Jesus was in heaven, was doing just fine? He took the biggest step of humility the world has ever seen to walk on this earth as a, broke, as a human being in a broken world. And he went through everything that we went through. You ever thought about that? It's like, uh, I'm sure in a room like this, there are people here who have experienced rejection. I'm sure there are people here who have experienced betrayal. Like, like the bad kind of betrayal. 
And it's hard sometimes as a pastor to, to know what to say, but I love Hebrews 4 15 because what the writer just said is, hey, um, remember how, how Jesus walked with this guy named Judas for three years? He was his best friend, invited him into his life, gave him everything. Do you remember that? Would Judas betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, which is a couple hundred dollars, right? His best friend, he goes, no, you want to figure out how to kill him? I'll, I'll show you how. You just give me a couple hundred bucks and we'll, we'll call it a deal. Like talk about betrayal. Betrayal like on another level. And I, I, I feel like that, like God allowed that to happen so that, that Jesus can say, hey, um, I know how that feels. I know how that feels, right? Or, or, or feeling like loneliness, Loneliness is something that, that we all experience, and yet that same night when, when the stakes were raised, Jesus um, is like in his darkest hour, and the 11 other of his best friends that he lived life with couldn't hang, and they run away. Talk about a lonely moment, right? As you are marching to your death, you don't even have your best friends by your side. So Jesus is going, hey, I know how it feels to be lonely, right? Or if I... Uh, if anybody in here has ever just felt like, like um, the thing that they've been building their life on, the thing they've been banking on, has come tumbling down. Maybe uh, it was your career and you stacked up a whole bunch of student loans trying to become an expert in something, and now you're going, man, this is like the one thing I'm an expert in, and then I'm, I got fired from my job, and I'm driving home, and I don't know what I'm going to tell my family, and I don't know what to do, and if I'm not good at the thing I'm supposed to be an expert at, maybe I'm not good at anything. We know this feeling. Maybe for you it's a relationship, and it's the thing that you want more than anything, but every time you try, it ends with the other person saying you're not good at relationships. You know, man, it's like this thing that I just desire so deeply and it's such a part of who I am, but, but apparently I'm just not good at it. Or for you new parents out there, um, some other parent or worse, someone like me who has no right, no right to ever say anything, comes up to you and shames you for way that you do this or a way that you do that and you're sitting there like I want to I love being a parent so much and it, like it means so much to me I just love this kid to death but am I not like cut out for this am I not supposed to 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 be do like all of these questions going through your head can I remind you that at the end of Jesus's life his life work of establishing a kingdom of heaven on this earth the way that it ended was with a crown, but it wasn't a crown of royalty, it was a crown of thorns. It was a whole bunch of people mocking Jesus, going, hey, your life's work, it's nothing. Put on this crown of thorns, let me spit on you, let me, let me mock you, let me, let me throw stones at you. And I know we know the end of the story, we know it didn't end there, but, but in the moment, man, talk about your life's work being called nothing. It just seems like Jesus is going, hey, I know how it feels. And yet in the most beautiful, beautiful moment, maybe in all of Scripture, as, as some 20-year-old Roman soldier is, is nailing a, a nail through Jesus' hand, he's looking at him, going, hey, Father, forgive him. He doesn't know. 
He has, he's just trying to fit in with his buddies. He doesn't know what he's doing. Forgive him. The other soldier on the other side is looking at him going, forget, he's just trying to provide for his family. This is just a job for him. This is a means to an end. They don't know what they are doing, Lord. And in the ultimate me to we shift of all of reality and all of existence, Jesus looks at them and he prays for the very people that are killing him. And then he goes, keep going because the blood that I'm about to shed is going to make a way for you to have eternal life. So you go ahead. You go ahead and you do that. I'm just going to keep being about we. I'm not going to put my, my me glasses back on. I'm just going to make this about what I came here to do, which was knowing that God so loved each one of us, so loved you, so loved me, that he was willing to go to great lengths to make a way that we might be with him. Listen, this week you're going to have opportunities to make the shift from me to we, but I'm telling you the only way for it to happen is for us to focus and fix our eyes on Jesus. As the voice comes up, I think it's time to move from me to we. And then that other voice is like, no, don't do that. That's, that's super hard. We're not, we're not going to go there. You fight right back and you go, no, that's what Jesus did. All right? That's what Jesus did, so that's what I'm going to do. I'll end with this um, Doug and I were, were talking uh, about baptism a couple weeks ago, and I told him, I said, hey, I think that was like top five favorite ministry moments of all time for me. It was just so beautiful. Thank you for letting us be a part of it. Um, and he brought it up. He goes, well, what are the other, what are the other moments? And so we're just kind of reflecting. And one moment came up for me where uh, it was a, a Sunday morning, it was a couple years back, and as a pastor, Sundays are, are always kind of stressful. But, but this Sunday in particular, I was, um, I was running around trying to, to launch a class like, like the Roots, like Citizens. Uh, I was trying to, to launch that to a group of people online. And I like really didn't have any idea if it was going to work or if anyone was going to like it. So I'm driving to the church and I just got my, my, my Ryan glasses back on. Right? And I'm just thinking about myself. I'm thinking about how this is going to be received. And, and then I show up, and there's all these volunteers trying to help. And I'm, I'm calling all these shots. And meanwhile, this guy walks in the back door. I'll never forget it. This guy walks in the back door, and he's just kind of pacing. It's back and forth. Looks a little nervous. Probably looks like I do when I preach. He's pacing back there. I noticed him. But I, I do this thing where I, where I like kind of like do that. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah. And then I straight back. Oh, I got stuff to do. I got stuff. I got a class to, class to launch, right? And about 20 minutes goes by. And this is just me being real. Uh, my thought process is, yeah, I, I got a solution. I'm going to do the, the, hey, man, you doing all right? Do you need anything? But I'm going to do it like as I'm opening the door. You know what I mean? Because, like, if I, if I got my hand on the door, then he knows he has, like, a five-second window to like, to, like, tell me what's going on, and then we're good. And so I'm walking to the door, and I do this, like, awkward, like, hey, man, you good? As I'm just looking through my, my Ryan glasses. I never forget it, man. He looks at me, and he goes, hey, uh, my mom's on her deathbed, and uh, she wants to talk about God and Neither of us have ever done anything like this, and I just don't, I don't, I don't know what to do. Like, talk about, a, talk about a sobering moment, right? It's like I'm in this awkward door pose, and 
so proud of myself for this little class that I'm going to launch or whatever. Meanwhile, the Holy Spirit is knocking on the door going, hey, buddy, we got ministry to do. Hey, buddy, we got like eternal stuff happening here. You want to be a part of what I'm up to? Right? You ready, ready to take your glasses off yet? You ready to stop thinking about me and start thinking about we? You ready to make the shift yet? Right? And so I just stop and I go, oh my God. Oh my God, how am I so bad at this? I'm a terrible pastor. Right? But we sit down and I go, man, tell me, tell me everything. And we talk for, for about 20 minutes. We're kind of going back and forth. And I go, listen, listen, this is important. And I've got this thing right now, but I'm just going to rush through this presentation for the next 40 minutes, and then we're going to get in your car, and we're going to go down there. And he looks at me, and he's like, wait, what? I was like, yeah, bro, let's go talk to your mom. And he's like, okay, okay great, I'll just hang out for a few minutes. And so I finish up the class real quick. I don't know, it wasn't, it wasn't a good class. Anyways, Roots is way better. Um, and, and I, <laughs> shameless plug, <laughs> so weird. Um, I get in the car. We drive down to this, this like, beautiful beach home. It's a gorgeous place. Everything from the outside, all put together, right? You know the story. We're walking up the stairs, and he goes, hey, by the way, uh, uh, we're not in very good standing right now. And I'm especially not in good standing with my stepdad, who's also in there, and he doesn't want you here. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. Cool. Like trying to be like, oh, oh totally. Holy Spirit. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like just terrified. <laughs> Walking up the door like I have no idea what's about to happen. But here we go. And I walk in and there's three nurses in the room. They walk out. I walk in and she's, she's, um, she's at the end. You can just tell. It, you, you can feel it. And I introduce myself. I sit down and just as simply as I know how, start talking about Jesus. Uh, Start talking about who he is. Start talking about what he did for us. I get kind of to, to that point, and the son has been sitting there. I'm watching him. You can tell there's just like something inside of him, and he's just like ready to, to speak, and I just kind of look at him, and he just stands up, and he goes, Ma, I got to say sorry. I got to say sorry for, for everything that, that I've been doing. I haven't been, I haven't been the best son. And as he does that, like, like her wall breaks down and she starts apologizing for all these things. And I just back away because I'm like, yeah, you guys, Holy Spirit's doing this thing. I don't, I'm not needed anymore. And they talk for like 20 minutes about all of these things. And we talk uh, about how Jesus um, came to pay the price for our sins. And when I lead them through that prayer and they're crying and she's going, can I get baptized? Like, I don't really know anything about this. And, and I'm like, yeah, absolutely. But there's no way we're going to be able to get her out of the bed. So we just bring water over and we have a baptism right there. And they're crying and I'm crying. And like the nurses are crying and everybody's just crying. And this is beautiful, amazing, profound moment. And listen to me. I almost completely missed it. I almost completely missed it because I had, I had my Ryan glasses on. And man, don't, don't get so caught up in like, well, God's sovereignty and, and man's free will. And I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't get it either. But here's what I do know. And here's what we can all agree on. If I had kept my Ryan glasses on, I certainly would have missed out. And I don't know, man. I, I just wonder how many stories there are like that in my own life that I just walk straight past. Don't even acknowledge. Don't even know. Don't even take the time to, to wonder, hey, I wonder what's going on in that person's life. I wonder how she's doing. I wonder how I can encourage somebody, how I can speak life 
into somebody. And man, don't hear that as a as a like conviction or condemnation. Hear that as an invitation, an invitation to go, hey, uh, Holy Spirit's real, and the Holy Spirit's ready to do some real life stuff, and really amazing things happen when we're just open to what God wants to do in people's lives, and he's going, hey, I'm ready to, to, to move if you're ready to be my hands and feet. You just got to take the glasses off. You just got to make the shift from me to we. So I, I've been thinking about that a lot this week, man, because I, I want to challenge us as a church. What would it look like? What would it look like? Maybe, maybe just a few times this week as a few situations come up, maybe you just hear that voice in the back of your mind, me to we, me to we, me to we. You won't, you won't get it perfectly. You won't get it most of the time if you're like me. But we keep trying. We keep trying. We keep taking steps forward. And as we do, it's like our whole mentality starts to shift. And I think before we know it, we're going to start to just even, like, like not even remember those old glasses anymore. I think the, the like thinking about ourselves thing is just not even going to be a reality to us anymore because we've so focused our minds on we. It's like we've become addicted to the we, so we'll never go back to the me. Um, so I want to do this. Um, yeah, as as uh, as we try to do that this week, the only way it's going to work is if we fix our eyes on Jesus, and so that's why we join together and sing. As Ethan said, it's not Christian karaoke. Although at some point I'd love to hear Christian sing karaoke. It's a, <laughs> irrelevant. Sorry, stay focused. As we sing, here's what I want to do. I want to read this poem for us again. Philippians 2, 6 through 11. It's this poem that is all about Jesus and the ultimate act of humility. Because as we get ready to sing this song, I just want us to focus on Jesus, just for a few minutes. Everything else, Memorial Day will still be there. Everything else will still, still be there a few minutes from now. But what if just for the next 10, 15 minutes, we just fixed our eyes on Jesus and what Jesus did for us? I think maybe then we got a real shot. We got a real shot at making the shift from me to we. Man, let me just say, I'm so proud of this church. I'm so proud of what we get to do. I'm so proud to call you guys family. I'm so proud that this isn't just some sermon. It's our reality, man. Like, we're living it out. We're doing it. You guys are doing it. You're fighting the hard battles. And I'm just so proud of you. And it's proud that I get to do it with you. So you guys stand to your feet. I'm going to read this poem. And we'll go into worship. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not, count, not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. By becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place 
gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, Father, would you speak that over us? Father, would you help us make the shift from me to we? And, Lord, we thank you, thank you, thank you that we can do that by just fixing our eyes on what you did for us. You went first. We get to follow. Would you help us remember that this week? In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.